Hello. Hello, young man. How are you on this fine Friday afternoon? I am swell, and how are you? Oh, I am also swell, my good man. What's this bit? Who's this guy? Uh, this is Mortimer Schlamlin. Is he closely related to the Sperlin family? What was that, What's that last Ooh, name? Who is the Sperlin family? Hey, how's it going? Whoa, you right there, man? That was, possessed. Uh, that was a weird, that was a weird start. Sure was. I'm bringing, I'm bringing a weird energy. That was a that was one for the books. Huh. Huh. But uh, all right. Hey there. Yep. This this is Sam. We've got now. This is yes. This is Sam. Huh. This is Fields of Work. You are Max. I am Sam. You are Max. And mm-hmm. we watch a bad movie and we talk about it. <laughs> I, I've been listening to so much Flophouse <laughs> that it just felt right for you to say that. It really did. Every every podcast needs to start that way. Apparently. <laughs> but what do we do here, Sam? Well, Actually. What we actually do is we talk about our work, uh, more or less. That's our, I would say that is our rough premise. We uh, we are comfortable straying from it, but you're you're a farmer guy, and mm-hmm. I'm a consultant guy, and I'm old, and you are young, and we are old, brothers. Old, old is a stretch, but yeah, you don't well, bash yourself uh, like that. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate that. Someone's gotta have your back. That's right. All right. Well. You want to do a check-in round? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's do the check-in round at the beginning this time instead of the end. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to eventually make some type of routines in this podcast. We're going to do it. But uh, we're only 17 episodes in, which is kind of crazy to think about. It is crazy. Um, but anyways, this is – a lot of my check-in questions and things I bring up come from menial work on a farm causes you just to like think about weird scenarios and your mind just wanders. And um, basically, we always are doing – Something on the farm where we're like, gosh, I really wish I had X, Y, or Z superpower mm. right now. Um, Specifically because it would help you with some aspect of your work? Usually, yeah. It's not just like, I want oh. this superpower because that'd be cool. It's yeah. usually like, <laughs> so I guess I, there's the checking question that can describe why this happened, like what specifically caused it this week. But it's what superpower would you like to have that would specifically help with your work? Um, and I feel like yours is a very easy answer because I think I have an answer for yours more than I have one for my own. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and answer, and I have a feeling we're thinking the same thing. It's teleportation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. seems like that would really solve a lot for you. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Do you like the we travel? We talk a lot about travel. I, first of all, I do like travel. Second, yeah. a lot of my travel reputation comes from a project I was on like a year and a half ago where I was going to San Francisco every week. I don't travel that much anymore. I have a local client. I'm not, you know, on a weekly cadence going anywhere. So I'm wondering if I'm really dropping the ball by picking that as my superpower. Like there may be something else. You think so? Huh. What else do you think? What else do you think? What, what any other tasks you're ever doing where you're like, man, I need this reading people's minds. Would that work? Would that be nice? Uh, that's too much. Think that's you, way you think too that much. Would, yeah, that'd be a little hard. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe something like I always dial into the conference call correctly on the first try <laughs> okay is that that comes up a lot more than flying <laughs> i mean maybe or maybe if we're uh, i should i should reach for the stars here because we're talking about a superpower how about i just have to like i have to think for one second and then i'm connected to uh whatever call i need to be on oh, that's cool yeah that's, are you on that many conference calls a week a couple times a day really usually. yeah and i mean sometimes Sometimes the call is just me and one other person. Sometimes it's a group of us. 
Um, okay, so so talk this farmer through what you mean by dialing into the call correct. What are you what are you doing wrong? Okay, so when you call into a like a corporate conference line that a lot of our clients have, you have uh, a long like normal phone number that you type in, which gets you into the system, and then yep. you have like a six or an eight or an eleven number code that corresponds Oof. to the specific meeting that you are calling into. And that gets you into it. And I actually, I, I need to take all of this back because I just remembered that my iPhone, if I have the calendar, if I have the phone number, including the PIN number in the calendar invite, I can just click on it and it does it all at once. It does it wow. all at once. So I need, I, I'm really, I'm really fudging the bucket on this, uh, on this check-in question. Let's say, well, <laughs> well, technology is crazy first off, but um, it feels like there's got to be a better way than an 11 number code to get into this call, but Maybe that's the, the way is just having it all typed into your Google. Here, here's what I'll here's what it'll be instead. Every call that I'm on is always crystal clear and we can all hear each other perfectly. Yeah. I have that to imagine it's big. a shit show. <laughs> it can be. It can be. Gotcha. Because as, as you can imagine, as a farmer, I think of um on zero conference calls uh, a day slash week. Maybe you need to be in more. You think and yeah, I we well we have walkie I told you about we have walkie talkies. That's yeah. the closest we get to a conference call because we're all kind of listening. Do you um, have code names that you use for each other? No, no, we don't. Why Actually, not? No, there's, yeah, there's no, <laughs> no, no one's ever sat down and thought of any. Um, but on all the we initial kind of on our harvest sheet for har- like who's doing what crop, and there were too many. There's uh, two M's, uh, you know, M S and M C were two of the employees here, and I was M S obviously. So I, I'm Otis for the most part on all those type of things. So I'm always mm-hmm. OS. Mm-hmm. And I am sometimes called Otis at the farm because mm-hmm. it sounds like a good farmer name. Oh, it's a perfect um, farmer name. Which I've already decided that, you know, when I hit my – probably my 50s and I'm still farming, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go by Farmer Otis at that point. You're going to shift names. Um, yeah, I'm going to shift names. And you can do that when you're old, I think. I really like the idea that. of anyone. Just when you get to a certain age, you can just shift your name. Yeah. Just whatever you know, whatever feels right. I mean, I could join you. I've got a pretty good uh, Southern farmer middle name as well. Oh my Sam! But we could be Otis and Otha Farms. Otis and Otha. Oh, that's so good. I can see farmer Otis. I can see the hand printed sign out front already. Yeah, me too. Me too. We both be wearing overalls. Yeah, we would. No That'd shirts. Be a good look. No shirts. Yeah, shirts not. Well, you already have that picture from your childhood where you're wearing those those, those overalls, right? I have that picture from my uh, teenagerdom <laughs> with with our cousin Sean because our parents made us recreate that picture. I remember that actually. I remember I, the that yeah. picture being taken, being outside for that. So oh, you've kind of you'd come full circle then. Yeah, I would. All right, that's good. Yeah. Um, All right. What's your I superpower? Guess, it. I so this is tough for a farmer because I feel like it, it changes all the time. Um, the one that really made me think about it was this is how lazy I was. I was I harvested a bunch of cucumbers, right? So I went on the bed and I was cutting all these cucumbers and leaving them in the pathway. That's usually how I do it. Mm-hmm. Then I'll come back with a crate and pick them all up because it's annoying to drag a crate with me. Mm-hmm. So there's all these piles seems of cucumbers. Lean. Seems seems like you know in the lean manufacturing, no wasted effort. Yeah, I mean technically it is. It's more touches than just going oh, from. You're right. Remember 15 from, cucumber touches. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not near that number this year, okay. but. Anyways, um, it's faster than dragging a crate around, for me at least. But anyway, so there's all these cucumbers on the ground, and I had a basket in one hand, and I was reaching down and grabbing the cucumbers. So I was bending down over and over and picking up all these cucumbers. And I was like, man, you I wish like my a arm. cucumber shovel? <laughs> no, we don't. I need one of those grabbers. Like a grabber, yeah, like yeah. picking up like, well, garbage off the ground. 
anyways, here's the thing. Sometimes I'm thinking my superpower, I'd rather just have like a cool bionic arm that could do more mm-hmm. stuff, you know, mm-hmm. whether it be stretch out and get longer or whether it be able to be bigger to grab more things at once or just super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but this moment I was like, I wish my arm was super stretchy so I don't have to bend over. <laughs> <laughs> was the simplest one. Wow. But I think what I would get the most use out of is some form of like super speed, you know, like little kid from Incredibles. Yeah. Like you know, we're transplanting how fast because he's still doing stuff really fast. It's not that he just runs fast. He can do things fast as well. Right. So that'd be really cool to be able to just like, yeah, but you'd probably be really through. tired. And also maybe you would like need to eat a lot of food and it would be too expensive to keep your metabolism that high. Sam, we went over this on the first episode. What do I feast upon? Little Caesar's pizza. I'll be oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little Caesar's pizza, the jet fuel of human, uh, human <laughs> nutrition. Well, I would add, just have them open a little franchise at my farm. Where they're just hooking me up all day, um, and I wouldn't have to use it like every minute of the day. It'd just be when I'm doing certain tasks, you turn it on, and I you know. I kind of feel like your superpower should be something like, I don't, I don't know, like plants grow really good when they're around you. They already do that, man. Oh. That's called good. That's called good farming. Good, I don't need a superpower for that. Listen, let me tell you about no-till farming. <laughs> you but, would be um, a legendary no-till farmer if you had some sort of like special green thumb uh, mutant ability. That or – oh, yeah. Or if I could just have like no weeds. Weeds do not grow. That's yeah. my thing. I can make – look at a bed and just either look at it and all the weeds just go away. They just like wither up and die yeah. or they just don't grow. That would be pretty cool well, too. Well, see, if that was your superpower, then you would you would no longer be a farmer. You would be a guy who goes from farm consultant. to farm. <laughs> yeah. You'd be a farm consultant. Who You'd be a yeah. weeding consultant. You literally just bring me in. I just walk through your yeah, fields and look at it. I like, look at all of them. You're, you're like a you're like a trailer full of goats. Who, when people bring them to like mow a lawn, <laughs> it's a trailer of it's me. Yeah, they yeah they they roll the trailer up. They put the ramp down, and you come bounding down, and you yep. take a glare at the 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 beds, and all the weeds die, and then they put you back in the trailer and take you to the next place. I wonder if I pat on the head and carrot to eat. <laughs> they yeah they hand me some celery to chew on, and I move on. Yep. Um, I wonder if I need to stare at the beds or just make eye contact with them because in that case, I would just become a really good runner. And I'd just be running through their farm at all times <laughs> to get the most in per day. But that would be a good service. I'd make good money doing that. Probably. You know, we were talking about my ideal farm. I think we just changed my entire future of farming for me. So. I think so. I'll work on that. All right. But Cool. Good, uh, good check-in round. Thanks. A lot, of, a lot of time to think of those. So what did you so do this week? Been? What did I do oh, this week? Well, oh, I asked you first. Was... All right. Um... Well, we can do a, I hate to say it, a final lamb update. Final lamb update. So everyone knew we were down to five. Yep. That was intentional. We took the first five. And and a couple of them were deliberate because you had to get, uh, you had to get all scabby noggin and Mm. uh, abscess boy out of there. And then there was one lamb who coughed and he (laughs) had to go. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. All eyes looked at him as soon as he let out a little cough. Um, so we were down to the, the the last five, who were probably, I guess, arguably the best five because they were the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we loaded them up and took them this week to the old facility. And there's the no, st- like, last second, like, oh, this lamb has been so good. We're going to rescue him. And now he becomes, like, the, the farm mascot. Sam, there's no money in that. Where's the money in having a farm mascot? Yeah, I guess. It's got to be heartless. Um, but actually, no, there was one one lamb that was – we didn't. He did not. He did not survive. But he was definitely the favorite amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the one that Haley named Doctor Wool. <laughs> Doctor um, Wool, nice. Because he had the little crazy hair, like crazy mad scientist was, hairdo. Was William one of the ones that got sick? 
uh, <laughs> I don't know if William ever got to this specifically be one. I think Haley uh, had one okay. that she always called William. Gotcha. Uh, but no, I think as soon as the ones got ill, we just called them by their illness, <laughs> which is really <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, the, so Dr. Wool was everyone's favorite. And, what made him um, your favorite? What's that? What made him Why? your favorite? Did he had this good, good oh, personality. Wish you would notice, he had a good personality. First off, he was not mean. The rest of them would headbutt and stuff. Doctor Wool did not mess around with that because he has a doctorate. He's not yes, going to go headbutting, so, yeah, so, fighting. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was also he had the cleanest coat in terms of he was not running through the burrs. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talked about, many of them ruined their their uh, their mm-hmm. pelts for us by running through the burrs. Um, and he was the fattest bottomed sheep I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Should have had a Queen song written about him. He was. <laughs> Literally, you you would look at all them from behind. Like there'd be a group of them just like eating out in the pasture, and you'd look yeah. at them and be like, "That's that's Doctor Wool," because his butt was just huge. Doctor Wool had was, some junk in the trunk. I don't think it was. I think it was all fluff. Is the problem? I think really? it was an actual. I don't think it was actual flesh making him big. I think he just really had a floofy bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked a little different than the other ones. I'm thinking maybe some some type of gene in him of maybe a wool producing sheep or something that had yeah. a thicker coat. Um, but anyways, yeah, he was a favorite, but he did. Couldn't just keep one. It's not how this works. And we wouldn't be able to actually – we would struggle to keep them alive through the winter. We don't have a good indoor space right? Um, even if we tried to do that. All right. So how did so, the processing go? Did you get their did you get the proper pelts this time? We did. We got them all back. They're all curing right now. Um, they actually made sure to, to set ours aside. Uh, other than that, nothing nothing exciting. Same The same process. Have the, you eaten uh, one yet? I did. Oh, yes. Yeah, so this is another update. So um, the farm dinner – we had our final farm dinner up at the, you know, that's hosted by the restaurant, and they used our lamb um, for the dinner. And I did try it. I can't remember. Their, I don't think I've ever really eaten much lamb. It was not a meat of our childhood. No. And, it's um, good, though. Did you like it? It is. And I did. And I don't normally choose lamb when I'm out to eat or something. I don't get lamb chops or anything. Um, I don't know. It's just I'm apparently not adventurous with food. But it was very, it was very good. Um, it was kind of like slow roasted over. They did like a charcoal fire. Mm. Um, it was like the haunch. It was like the thigh of the leg. Mm. Um, it was very good. It's a little like, it's a little bit like dark meat off of like a chicken or like a, some type of bird is what it reminded me of. And other people were saying a similar thing. At least these ones were like the, I don't know, had the appearance and the slight gaminess of something that was like, you know, All right. some type of bird. But it was good. It was it was well cooked. Um, it felt like if I was gonna eat some lamb, that I should you know try the ones that we had raised. So yeah. even the people on our farm that were vegetarians gave it a try because they felt like they needed to honor to, to see honor and see what the lambs produced, and, and you know it felt right. So well, on that note, we are lambless, lambless like animals. I know. I know. And now we're now we're down to the six pigs, um, who are great. They're doing great. They're getting huge. Really. Um, they're still probably like a hundred little running backs. <laughs> they're still very solid. Yeah, getting big for them doesn't mean they, they they now they don't look fat. They just keep getting longer and just like more ripped. Yeah, like um, me. That's kind of how I how I live my life. Yeah, <laughs> longer and more ripped. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they're doing they're doing well. They're I don't. It's hard to say actually. I I would guess they're like 150 pounds. But do you have uh, any sense that they are starting to suspect what they are there for? Up. They did lose their neighbors. You yeah. think that would have maybe like maybe a little bit? They probably liked that though, because the the sheep were kind of annoying. You know, they did a lot of making a lot of noises all day, yeah. and the pigs are pretty. I don't know. They're pretty nice about it. They're not making a lot of noise, except for if they bump the electric fence. Are they still doing um, that? 
You know, what happens is, I think I've, I've watched it happen now, and this is what's going on. They're not just, like, bumping into it, like, not realizing it's there. Well, partly that's it, but they're, they're like, they're so into eating whatever we pour in there for them. Yeah. I mean, we're not pouring it in the middle because we're usually dumping it over the fence, but we're dumping it a couple feet in. And they just do the thing where they root around and, like, tunnel through it. They're just so happy that they're just not paying attention to their, their surroundings, and they're just, like, playing in this big bed of lettuce leaves that we threw in there. And then they just run headfirst into the fence. Um, I just realized so that, I should be less critical because I feel like this is the pig version of like me your tongue. biting my tongue <laughs> or biting my cheek or something while eating. Yeah. So, so they are still doing that. Um, I'd like to think less frequently, but they don't think anything's up yet. But I have heard that when the time comes for us to, to try and create them and, and take them to be processed on Halloween, actually this year, um, Ooh, Hall- Halloween of bloods, take them to bloods. <laughs> um, I assume they turned Bloods into like a haunted house during Halloween. Yeah, they're gonna um, give you like a, bu- a bucket full of their blood, and you can dump it on someone. That's yeah, yeah. And I don't know if they do interactive. Powers, well, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think they do interactive experiences at Bloods. I hope. I hope they keep it professional still. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we'll see. I'm sure I'll have a lot to report on what the process is like of actually. Yeah. Trying to get, so you giant pigs and you had a plan for the lambs because they were just psycho for oats, mm-hmm. uh, for grain. So would you have a similar plan for the pigs? They are not to the level of the sheep, but they are very still food oriented. Yeah. Um. So if they you are ship- pigs after all. Yeah, exactly. So I think they'll they'll come towards. I think the thing is when they get close to you, even if you have a bucket of food, they're still super cautious. And if somebody's trying to like sneak up behind them to try and like pen them in, um, it's not going to go well. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if they think about it, how solid they're going to be when they try to you know we're get taking them you. in when they're like 175, 200, you know, 50 pounds wherever they are, um, they're going to realize they can run one of us over real quick. <laughs> yeah. So us sneaking behind them to try and like herd them towards a trailer, um, they'll probably just size us up and take us down if, so. you, if you remember please take some video of this okay <laughs> yeah i will i'm Can you sure get, like a gopro and strap it to your chest <laughs> that could be a crowdfunded thing i'll put that out there if anyone wants yeah, to send me a if, we had, if we had a patreon we would we would use the funds from that to buy you a gopro a farmer yeah. gopro just for events like this yeah for kind of things that we know could definitely go wrong um so yeah i'll try and snap a video remember i've been knocked over by a cow before um, yeah. I'm pretty sure this will be similar to that if I get run into. Because either way, they're both very, very solid animals. Um, the cow didn't trample me, which was cool. That was that was, that was nice. nice. Yeah. But uh, I don't really want to relive that, so All we'll right. see. All right. What but, else do you do this week? What else do we do this week? Nothing nothing much. Now, I told you we were cover cropping and we were taking care of the soil. It's actually been like an, a week and a half since we last spoke, I believe. I know. And I wish I could say more exciting things have happened. But this is kind of year where we're really just like kind of slowly shutting the farm down in a sense or like kind of like putting right. it, preparing it for winter and putting it to sleep because uh, we're not really planting much anymore. So we did a lot of um, farm cleanup of just like clearing up. Yesterday we cleared out 13 beds and covered crops, pretty much all of them. Um, we we know that giant tarp where you saw the rat. Yeah. Pulled that tarp up. Um, no rats though. What? No rats underneath. I know. I think that one, I don't know if you planted that rat. Uh, or yeah. <laughs> that rat was following you for some reason. I am, I am the rat keeper, apparently. Yeah. And so we didn't see any rats, but we pulled that back, the strawberries, um, and tilled it and cover cropped it. But So pretty much just, just breaking things down for the most part. Still big harvests, but 
Um, and we have a smaller crew now. People um, have kind of whittled off. There's three of us full-timers and, and one part-time person two days a week. Um, but no, things are things are pretty so much the same here. When will you be done? When will you be at, be done for the year? My last day, I think, is October 25th, a Friday. Um, I might come on for like I might help on Pig Day, which is Halloween next week. All right. Um, and like I think we might build a hoop house this year, um, a legit one, like a, a real a full size, thirty feet by ninety six foot hoop house. So if that happens, I'll have some part time work through the fall. You wait, you don't know how to build things. No, no, but I can hold stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what and we have right. our maintenance guy val will probably do all the building and uh all right i've held i've held metal poles for a hoop house before so gotcha I'm qualified okay um but other than that that's pretty much that's my last day so end of october so it's actually nearing the end for me you know, a month and a half or not even left yep. yeah a month and a half um and then i'm sure through the podcast we'll quickly talk about what does a farmer do in when the force you know when there's winter and um how do you fill that time or what do you do with that time? And I'm currently thinking about that every single day and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, it's not dire. Luckily, like my rent's not crazy expensive and it's not the kind of thing where like, right. I need to figure it out ASAP. Um, but I'm trying to make it, you know, it's nice for, I don't know if anyone's ever, if you've ever had this experience where you probably did when you got out of college originally, um, when you don't have a routine or a job, it's people think that's always going to be super awesome. It's very easy to get, stir crazy and yep. lose your mind especially when it's cold as hell outside yep. um and there's not a lot going on you don't have a job to report to even part-time um it can kind of go make you go crazy and i've noticed that in the previous winters that by the end of it i'm just itching to farm or do anything right. so i'm trying to do my best to come up with a plan for the winter um to make the work feel important still even though i'm not working like whether that be working on that curriculum that we talked about and things like that. Um, Recording a, a podcast every day. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like together or just yeah. me by myself? No, every, okay. me and you together every day, all okay. winter. Yeah. I definitely think we have the content for that. <laughs> Eventually the conversations just be like a lot of silence. Yeah. And that's just kind of like sighing sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we'll see. We can definitely talk about that in future episodes too because I do have um, – a lot of ideas for the winter and, and maybe you can help me even whittle down what you think the kind of stuff I should be focusing on. All right. Um, but yeah, so for, for me, it's the final kind of the final countdown over here, uh, at least at the final farm. For the- people listen. Okay. Is this time for uh, time for an ad? <laughs> Sure, if that was your way leading into one. <laughs> I think so. We're in the money zone now. Yeah. Uh, Dude, our, so... podca- our podcast can't be uh, a conglomeration of all these other podcasts we listen to. <laughs> okay, so so you know how in, on the various Macroid podcasts, they have a phrase for when they're going to go do ads. In, mm-hmm. in uh, Sawbones, they go to the billing department. In... I don't listen to Sawbones. Okay, well, in My Brother, My Brother and Me, they go to the money zone. Mm-hmm. Uh so what are we where do we go there's got to be a good farm pun that i'm not thinking yeah where where do you hmm. where do farmers keep their money we're going we're going to the grain depot (laughs) going to the grain silo feed lot all right going going to the the feed lot that's good that's pretty good we'll start there we're going to the feed lot all right, okay. so remember how I said before Emily literally gave me $20 to buy an ad on our 
podcast, and then I kind of like made it's just real sweet of her. That's something your mom would do when you're. Yeah, and I made like a jokey, like half-hearted attempt at describing like her, and but I got really uncomfortable about describing her as a product. Uh, So she wrote some copy for me to read. So I'm just gonna go ahead and and read it. I want you to. This should be your best advertising voice. All right. So just so the advertisers know what they can get, you know, from us. Absolutely. Here we go. Do you need someone to do your science who can also make you laugh on the spot and diffuse any awkward social situation? Maybe you're attending a family wedding and need someone who will bring everybody out to the dance floor. Look no further than Emily Warren. Brains, beauty, and burps. <laughs> That's good. Thank she you. doesn't really say how to contact her. No, I, I – yeah. <laughs> I don't think she actually wants people to contact. Her. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess reach out to us if you want to hire Emily to come uh, dance at your family wedding. I mean, she would be good at that. She does know how to get a party started. She does know how to get a party started. Can she? Uh, you can tell us this. How good is she at diffusing any awkward social situation? Mm, yeah, there I wanted to pause <laughs> and uh, elaborate, or maybe put up a, a counterpoint. I think she's good at causing awkward social situations. I, I, I think I maybe she doesn't know what diffuse means. She maybe doesn't know what diffuse means. Oh, gotcha. Maybe she should have someone read this over. Yeah, and actually, That's... I think she used the wrong diffuse here. I think she meant diffuse like D E F U S E. Oh, yeah. It's defuse, not diffuse, mm. which is like, you know, anyway. <laughs> Don't tear Thanks, her apart. Emily. She paid you 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. If, if you also would like me or Max uh, to read something on the podcast, uh, you can also send us $20 and we'll do it. Yeah, we'll read pretty much anything. Yeah, we will. Um, this reminds me of, I feel like this happened when we were kids, is when we would like, I remember one time making my own newspaper. Like I drew little columns mm-hmm. and like wrote stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think like mom like gave me a buck and bought it off me kind of thing. And this is kind of, this kind of feels like that. Yeah, mom would do that for sure. Yeah, I'm just saying this, I believe pay you 20 bucks to do this on our podcast. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> it feels a bit like that. Do you remember what you wrote about in your newspaper? Oh, I don't. I'm really trying to think about it. I really vividly remember like sitting down and like drawing all the straight lines and trying to make the little pictures and stuff. So you basically um, drew you drew a newspaper? No, no well yeah, but I, there were articles in it, but I meant like I was I think I you know, I think I did this on a road trip or when we were down in Kentucky. Okay. Um but who knows what kind of content was in there. I'm sure important op eds that I was I had opinions on things. Yeah. <laughs> Cartoons. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um that was nice. It was nice yeah. that we got our first yeah, our thank first you. special. Thank, thank you, Emily. Answer. All right. Well, how about you? What did you do this week and a half? Uh, yes, yeah, so we recorded early the last episode because I was getting ready to travel. Uh, I went to Tennessee for a day and a half, and then I went home to Michigan to visit our family, and then I came back to D.C. How are those cats? Uh, the cats. Uh, Not the cats. How are how is the family? Not the, the cats. Uh, the family. The family. I don't care about the cat. Family seems good. You know, mom's recovering from her knee surgery. Mm-hmm. Others are doing their thing. Toby's fat. Yeah. Does he actually feel fat though? He does feel fat. I decided. <laughs> oh, I was skeptical that he was actually always. By the way, Toby's a dog, not a person. Yeah, uh, for fine. those who are okay. following along, we're not actually talking about a, a a member, a human member of our family who we love very much in such crass ways. We're talking about a, a silly dog who is quite fat. Uh, anyways, I was skeptical that he was fat, and then I took a good look at him and I kind of interact with him, and he 
He looks like a furry mm, five-pound sausage in a two-pound casing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he seems fast still, though. He's still oh, fast. Oh, he's very fast. Very fast. Very into being chased. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just he's just a little bit, a little bit of a porker. Yeah. Did you help him with that at all while you were there? Uh, Joey and I chased him a lot. Okay, that's good. We even got that. a couple uh, three-man chases going, which he loves. <laughs> Who did he rope in for the third chaser? Uh, we had Louie come in and uh, do, do some chasing. Sounds like you had yourself a wild weekend. <laughs> yeah, I did. I ate some pizza. I got some good Detroit-style pizza while I was home. Some Jets, which I can't get out here. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that's it. Watched a lot of football on TV. Uh, so Tennessee, though, Tennessee was for work. So I feel like I should mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah, the important go that work one. things in, in Tennessee. So... My colleague who is working on this project with me lives in Tennessee. So we decided that it would be a good idea for us to get together in person for a full day and just work on some stuff together because we don't necessarily get to do that very often. But also, this whole project, this project has had a interesting staffing component to it. So it started with me and Will. Will's my buddy who lives in Tennessee. We started on the project. And then there were a couple of things that came up, a couple of new project opportunities. So we decided it actually made sense for him to roll off the project and work on these other things. And that my buddy Gary would join the project because he was finishing something up. And there was a kind of this overlap period where it made sense, where Will could easily roll or slowly roll off and Gary could roll on. And we kind of did that. But other things came up, like Gary sold a new project, which was awesome. So we had this like really confusing period of time for a little while where... I kind of had two partners on the project, and I kind of had zero partners on the project. So mm-hmm. we decided now Now it has worked back to where Will is coming back onto the project and has been now for a few weeks. Uh, we decided let's get all three of us together and, like, put a bow on this. So like, let's get Gary here in Tennessee as well, and let's all three of us spend a whole day, like, understanding what we've done on the project, where we need to go next, things that we should be looking out for so that Gary can officially end his involvement in the project. Will can officially come in, come back on in a full-time capacity, and we can move forward in a coherent and um, sensible way. So that's what we did for the trip out to to Tennessee. Gary and I flew out there, stayed um, in a really nice hotel, um, actually like the only hotel in this little town that uh, that Will lives in. I don't want to compromise his OPSEC, so I won't go into where specifically. Uh, but we worked at Will's house uh, for like most of the day, and then we went on like a two-mile hike to a watering hole and went swimming. You swam in a watering hole? Yeah, I swam in like a swimming, a swimming hole, like a swimming hole in a river that had a waterfall. Was it was it pretty clear water or was it kind of like classic murky looking no, river? No, I mean it was – so the hole was like real deep and you could like jump off a ledge. I didn't do it because I was afraid. I just had a vision of me running to the to the edge and <laughs> slipping and like falling and poor Gary and Will having to like like carry my, my unconscious body two miles out of this forest. Uh, so I skipped that but I did swim out into the watering hole and I sat under the um, – I sat under the waterfall and let it massage my shoulders, and it was very neat. That sounds it's very um, like Instagram influencer of you, but you didn't take many pictures. That's you uh, know what? I've you've got lived, a couple pictures. I'll show you a few. Okay. Yeah, I want to see you you under a waterfall. This sounds pretty um, unlike you. No offense. 
I don't know what you're talking about. I'm into That's adventure exciting. and all sorts of things. Yeah, then we hiked out, ate some pizza. I flew out the next morning. Unfortunately, I realized, so here's uh, my travel mistake uh, of the, the week. So I flew out of Tennessee, out of Chattanooga um, at like 1, and I had to go to Charlotte first and then from Charlotte to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I had to get to the airport a little bit early because Gary's flight was like an hour, an hour and a half before mine. If I had dropped Gary off at the airport and then just kept driving north, I would have gotten to Detroit before I got there on a plane. And I wouldn't have had to drop off my rental car and then pick up a new one, which is what I did. Like, I've got a new rental car in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually a much worse car. For whatever reason, when I showed up in Chattanooga, the, sh- the cheapest rental car was the luxury option. So I had a, a Chrysler 300 that I got to drive. And that would have been great to drive, you know, six or seven hours north back to Detroit. But no, instead, I took a stupid flight to Charlotte, got slightly delayed in Charlotte, and then flew from Charlotte to Detroit. Yeah. That's, um, how, is it expensive? Would it have been expensive, though, to drive a rental car from Tennessee to Michigan? Honestly, seems kinda... I don't, I think it may have been cheaper to just keep that rental car that I rented in Chattanooga, which I think would is cheaper than picking up a rental car in Detroit, which is a bigger city. Gotcha. Okay. That would have been cool. You could have had a mini road trip in there. Yeah. I just, I just wasn't thinking it through particularly. Goofed well. up. I should have done it. I should have done it. You're Mr. Travel Man. You're Mr. Planner. I feel like you, uh, don't let these I things know. slip by normally. I know. I make all sorts of travel errors. Did I tell you about <laughs> when we went to Cape Cod a couple a couple months ago? We were sitting in the airport getting ready to get on the bus. We had just arrived in Boston, get ready to get on the bus to go to Cape Cod, and I got a notification on my phone telling me to check in for my flight tomorrow. I had <laughs> oh, you got a return two, flight? No, I had bought two flights to Boston like months apart, and I, I just had forgotten that I had bought the original one. Wow. Yeah, you're losing it, man. I know. I'm crazy. I'm, oh, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Wow. So that was that was my main my main travels, and then I came home to DC, and everything was fine. How was uh? Did, was the meeting productive? The three of you together? Yeah, I think it was. It was actually really. It was really good. You know, Gary had a lot of great insights for us to think about as we were kind of planning out the rest of this project, moving into the the rest of the year. Um, it was good, and we just, we just don't. One thing about working at the Ready is you don't spend much time, at least I don't, because I, because I'm the only one from DC um, at the Ready. I don't spend much time working like in shared space with my colleagues. So anytime yeah. we get to do that, it's always it's always nice. So do you feel because so when you worked in New York, you were around people in the in the co-working space you guys yeah, had. Yeah, we Manhattan. had an office, and there were you know at least a few of us who were there almost every day. Mm-hmm. So how? Do you feel like what's the overall effect of not being around that every day? Other than like, I mean, maybe for you personally and, and social time with these other people or like your actual physical work, have you noticed it being more difficult or you're having, you know, um, maybe less new ideas or innovations because you don't have ideas to bounce, you know, off of people face to face? I'm sure through Slack and stuff, you guys still yeah. do this kind of stuff. But do you feel like there's things missing because you're not in that physical um shared space together or not really i think i think you can kind of look at you can answer that through two different lenses one is like purely through the work so i think there are aspects of when you're sitting around a table with someone or sitting in an office with someone where it's really easy to just get 
an opinion on something or to run an idea by someone and really easily get that feedback. And it's mm-hmm. not that it's hard to do that in Slack or to like hop on Zoom, which is, which is our video conferencing software with someone. But often it, it can feel like, well, the thing I want to ask someone is not actually – it's not so important that it's worth like bothering someone on Slack or it's not worth like setting up a zoom call. I'm just not going to worry about it. Uh, So I think you miss some of that opportunity just to bounce ideas off of each other. You have to be very deliberate to set up time to to do that, which we do, but you just miss out on some of that, um, that unstructured time. And then I think there's the, the lens to look at it through like building relationships with your, with your colleagues. Um, I think again, just, when you're actually in space with people, when you're able to go get lunch together, when you're when you're sitting around a table and you spend a lot of time with people, you just get to know them better, and that you know I think has positive ramifications for doing the type of work that we do, which is generally in really intense partnerships uh, mm-hmm. with with people. So, do you foresee? I mean, nothing's really going to change for you, though, in the future of working with people face-to-face as much unless someone else comes out towards D.C. Or or if we hire um, people in D.C. and we decide. Yeah. Like, our policy is that everybody has money that they can use toward co-working spaces uh, and people could can pool their money if they want to get uh, a shared space somewhere. So I think I, you know, if I look think to the future and, and think about what, it might look like if we're really successful over the next couple of years, I, I definitely want to have enough work here in D.C. where it makes sense for us to hire other people who are local to D.C. And maybe at that point, then, if we have three or four or five of us who are all working in D.C., then maybe it makes sense for us to find an office space where we can be together. Gotcha. Does it does it really bother you that much, the current way you're working or not? No, really? I we actually... We talked about this with yeah. strengths and weaknesses and personality stuff, but... Yeah, I think I'm well, I am well structured to do the work that I do, which is, you know, primarily working from home. Uh, But even, even someone like me who is a pretty severe introvert and really likes his quiet time, there are times where I'm like, man, I wish, I wish my colleagues were just like in the next room over so I could just Mm -hmm. bounce some ideas off of them or just like hang out with them. And like, I generally, I like my colleagues, so I like spending time. Uh, with them. And that is something I occasionally find myself missing. Gotcha. Yeah. That's understandable. I think I'd be the same way. I mean, I think yeah. as much as I talk about how fun it'd be at times to farm, whether, you know, start small and farm solo um, and things like that, there's also just a lot of times, at least when it comes to farming, where things suck and it's very nice to lean on someone else and sharing and the suffering yeah. of like yeah. it's sleeting sideways and we're out here picking carrots. <laughs> this really sucks. But, yeah, you know, it, me too. We're both doing it. I want to. I want to tell. I want to. I want someone to be like, man, it is leading sideways. And we're picking carrots. Like, what happened? We really went sideways on our day. Why yeah. Are we carrots. <laughs> How do we end up out here? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, so what else? I see. Uh, I see. You ran a meeting. I did. But I, I ran, don't know what that means. I ran a, a silent meeting. What do you oh, think are... when I say that, when I say the words silent meeting? Mm-hmm. What do you think that meeting looked like? This is what I've got. So have you seen those silent discos where you're all wearing headphones? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had a meeting where you guys are all sitting in a circle. Okay. And you all have headphones on. Yeah. And you um, have a little mic and are, are talking to the meeting, but everyone's just tuned in via headphones, not 
um, you know, out in the open space. Not sure why that would yeah, be. So what's the what advantage that that's that not, accomplishing? It's just it's just, it's just you guys realize that silent discos are cool as a thing, and and, and the, the young kids like those. Yeah. You're gonna bring those into the workplace. Yeah, you that's saw, the fun new modern. Basically, thing. what you described was like as if we were taking a conference call, but we were all sitting in a room together. Yes, precisely. Okay. Uh, not <laughs> so quite. That's a silent meeting. That's not okay. quite what a silent a silent meeting is. Silent meeting is. Um, People sometimes have have heard of um, the types of meetings that um, Bezos, Jeff Bezos, runs at Amazon, and he has. There's been things written about it where basically instead of people coming to meetings and giving PowerPoint presentations, which is kind of the de facto corporate meeting uh, experience, he expects people to write a six-page memo, and then they spend the first half or third of the meeting silently reading that memo and marking it up. And we have taken that basic idea and tweaked it a little bit um, with some inspiration from uh, stuff that other people outside of the ready have have written uh, to do what we call a silent meeting, which is basically somebody has prepared a table read ahead of time, and we've loaded it up into some sort of software where we can all be in it at the same time in real mm-hmm. time. Uh, so in, the, in our case uh, at this organization, it was a, in box in a box note. And like like how you and I are in it with a Google uh, Doc, basically the exact same thing. And then yep. we set aside about a half of the meeting or a third of the meeting, and everybody just silently reads it and leaves comments in the document. They ask questions, they you know they highlight something, and they leave a question there. They can leave comments, and we get uh, as much uh, reaction and questions and clarifying questions um, in the document as possible in that half hour or so. And then we have a facilitated conversation outside uh or after after that um mm-hmm. so that's what i ran with a team for the first time yesterday and this was actually the first time that i have facilitated a meeting like this it's actually something that's relatively new to our toolbox um so it was um it was it was interesting it was fun how many how many people are doing this uh, this meeting yesterday was like 15 people, mostly uh-huh. people on the phone like four of us in a room five of us in a room and the rest were on the phone Okay. So what do you, I mean, you haven't done a lot of them, obviously you said, but, um, what do you find are the benefits of like doing one of these? So what's, what's the goal? So you always talk about, you know, an action meeting is for this. What is a silent meeting specifically useful for? A silent meeting is particularly useful when you have some sort of relatively nuanced, uh, piece of, information that you want people to consume in order to have a conversation about it. So a lot of times people will prepare like a pre-read that people are supposed to read ahead of time and then come ready to talk about it to the meeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, As maybe you might imagine, nobody ever does the pre-read. And then people show up to the meeting and they're like trying to skim it quickly or they're trying to pretend that they did it. And so this just removes the whole theater about not having actually done the pre-read and just gives us time together as a group to do it. Um, so, you, so you're ensuring that people have actually digested and read the, the content. So that's one reason. The other thing is that it's really good. It's a good tool for bringing out a lot of varied perspective on a topic. Uh, Mm -hmm. because you get a combination of the stuff that's being put in the document, which whoever wrote the table read can take away later and and dive into in more detail, plus the actual conversation that the group has uh, in 
in the re- the remaining part of of the meeting. So it's just gotcha. really good to to bring out lots of different per- per- different perspectives. It's not good for making a decision. Like the purpose of this meeting was not for this group of people to make a decision. It was basically for this individual's colleagues to give him feedback and reactions on a strategy for something that they were working on. Um, and now he's going to take the feedback from the meeting and kind of do another iteration on the table read. We may end up doing another silent meeting actually to make it uh, a little bit even um, to go to go a layer deeper on it. Uh, but it, it seems to be a good way to, to, to elevate those perspectives. And the third thing, the last thing that comes to mind is it can be a way to make uh, it more equal, um, more equal kind of talking time in a meeting. So if you are a shy person, an introverted person, or maybe a person with the lowest on the totem pole in a silent meeting, you can still put in a lot of your thinking and a lot of your thoughts into this document uh, mm-hmm. by adding comments. And your ideas can get into the, the fray um, better than if we were just having a purely conversational meeting where generally you have extroverts and men, particularly white <laughs> men, uh, taking up most of the space in in the meeting. So this helps equalize that a little bit. Yeah. And I have to imagine too, um, I don't know how many people would have seen this document that he created normally, but maybe not everybody in that 15 person meeting would normally be able to get their hands on or get a chance to even provide any type of insight on you know, what he was working on per se. Like, I don't know maybe how normal companies work. Maybe you do really get all 15 of these people's opinion um, on what you're working on. But it seems to me that that there were probably people in that meeting that normally would not get to share hypothetically what they think about what he's working on because they either have no clue what's happening or it's never run by them. Um, Yeah, that can, that's true. That can be true. I think the other thing that a table read by, by having to write a table read, it's a very different experience to put together a hundred page, a hundred slide PowerPoint deck versus writing a six page table read. And mm-hmm. you have to be much clearer in your thinking uh, and in your writing to write a really good table read than you do to just pull together a, a huge number of slides. Like some of these corporate decks that I've seen are literally hundreds of slides <laughs> long and nobody reads them. Like yeah. they're, they're super dense um, and they, they don't really tell a coherent story. And if you can take those hundred slides and condense them into a coherent narrative that fits in six pages, we can actually talk about that. So it's a really good kind of forcing function for whoever is calling the meeting to see if they can actually get their ideas into something that can be read in 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, and I feel like too, when you do a presentation, I guess I don't know about the corporate setting, you usually get to kind of like riff on, not riff on, but like talk about what's on the slide. You know, you are adding a lot of personal dialogue to what you're showing um, that, when you write something as a paper, I mean, you don't get to explain yourself. Everyone's reading what you wrote. Um, so you need to be, you know, very concise or be able to put whatever you would have explained about that slide um, into the to the actual writing, which can yes. be a lot harder than just like bullshitting your your <laughs> your opinions on what you put on the slide out loud. Sure. Although I have been in very I have been in many presentations where people just read their slides. Yeah. I assume that was still a thing that was worst. affecting the the corporate world. <laughs> that was yeah. a thing they taught you at high school. They're like, just don't read just don't read right off your slides, you know. Yeah, and I guess, you know, maybe when we were in high school, I thought, well, at some point then, you know, we'll all stop doing this. But no, apparently yeah. that just continues into the corporate world as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's the, it comes 
as a factor of doing a ton of meetings and just like throwing together a slide, you know, a, a presentation and just like, yeah. Cause if you put that much effort into every presentation you did for every meeting you had to do and sit through, I got to imagine you'd have no time to ever do anything else except for prepare for that meeting. Um, yeah. you, well, you so. just described most people's corporate <laughs> experience. And, yeah. and so the interesting thing about this uh, was actually this is the first time that I have facilitated it. So it was interesting for me to go from facilitating something like an action meeting, which I have probably done literally hundreds of times. And I have seen how action meetings can go poorly. Like I can see I've seen every version of an action meeting going poorly and I know how to react to that and I know how to prevent those things from happening. Like I'm an expert in that sort of meeting. And it was just interesting for me noticing my discomfort with the fact like, oh wow, like this is literally the first time I've done this and I don't know how it could yeah. go sideways and I'm learning how it could go sideways in the moment and I left with like a page of notes about things I would do differently next time to make it better. Uh, but it was just an interesting experience for me, for me as a um, an aspirational expert meeting facilitator to do something for the first time um, when I don't generally get that experience. Yeah, and this didn't go sideways. It didn't go sideways. I, I like I said, I was telling my colleague I'd probably give myself a B on facilitating it. Like there's a bunch of things ranging from kind of coaching more around the table read. Like I saw some areas of the table read like where I wish I had given the the person a little bit more feedback earlier to make it better. Um, but I, I just didn't know until I had seen like how the meeting actually went. There was a few things around um, how to actually facilitate it in the moment when I don't know the topic at all. And like, I don't want to just kind of read off comments and be like, what do you have? Like, do you have any yeah. additional color to add here? Like ideally I'm able to, frame the conversation in a way that is more than just a regurgitation of the the comments in the document but that was actually really tough to do in the moment um, yeah so that comes from too i mean this is where you talked about one thing that you said you'd like about consulting was you're always working with different businesses and, and companies who are doing different things yeah. it's a matter of having to become a semi-expert or at least competent and whoever you're consulting for at this time, you know, this company is not what who you consulted for, for before. So when you read a document like this, I'm sure, you know, it's a ton of new information that if you haven't, you know, familiarized yourself with before, it's gonna be real hard to not just be like, so what do we think about that? Like everybody, like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like unless you know the content fairly well, it's hard to, to improv and riff off that to a point where it seems like you're not a, <laughs> not a dumbass about the topic. Cause <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, hypothetically that's... you are, if you haven't spent a lot of time, Right. Um, well, and I, and I, I often say that uh, it's actually a benefit to have a facilitator who's not intimately knowledgeable about the topic because the facilitator yeah. is not there to do anything about the content. The facilitator is there to hold the structure of the meeting. That's um, true. However, you're right, though, in that I think you need it, it's it's tough to hold the structure of the meeting if you can't if you don't really have a sense of what the topic is because yeah. it's because what I'm trying to avoid like the the primary job of the facilitator is make sure we don't go down rabbit holes that aren't productive and mm -hmm. keep steering the conversation back to the actual desires of of the team and the actual yeah. important stuff so that was <laughs> that was challenging yeah it's, it's hard if you don't know what those rabbit holes are you're like this is yeah. good conversation i know we almost we actually that that's an exact thing like we we rabbit hold for probably about three minutes, which is a very short rabbit hole in the corporate world. So like barely a rabbit hole. But we did rabbit hole at one point because they started talking about something that I had 
expertise in from my grad school uh, oh, okay, years. Yeah. And I was like, I can participate here. And I even said, like, <laughs> I'm going to take my facilitator hat off for one moment because I think I have something to add that might be useful. And I think it was a little bit useful, but I don't yeah. think it was as useful as I thought it was. <laughs> I think uh, there's going to be times where you're just like, wait, hold up, everybody. Is this a rabbit hole? Are we in a rabbit hole? Yeah. <laughs> so well, that's I don't actually, know what you're talking perfect. about. That's perfect. <laughs> I should have done that probably more because a team will tell you when they're in a rabbit hole. Like they yeah. will happily run down that rabbit hole, but they yeah. can generally also, when you ask them, they can be like, oh yeah, we're rabbit holing big time. Like, All right, um, thank you. This was over my well, head or in a different world than I knew what was going on. Yeah. And there's actually, I've been, I've, I learned a, a technique from somebody else um, earlier this summer where they have in a workshop brought like a stuffed Elmo and mm. they use the Elmo um, to basically signify enough, let's move on. So if the team is really kind of starting to rabbit hole or go down an unproductive conversation, then you can kind of throw the Elmo at someone and be like, all right, we're, we need to Elmo, 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 and like, we can like move on. It's your safe word. Yeah, it's, it's basically it's a, a corporate safe word. It's like a meeting safe word. That's a meeting safe word. Those are good. That's good to have. Yeah, I need to give me a stuffed Elmo apparently. <laughs> yeah, you got to make it something more unique. Find, yeah, or not right. more unique. Oh, something, something for yourself. You know? If we Find were good that's... at creative stuff, we could do it right now. Yeah, but we're not. <laughs> no, no more rabbit hole. NMRH. That's nothing. <laughs> Stop rabbit holing. SRH. No. You're using all consonants. You can't spell words. <laughs> I need some vowels. I'm literally looking around my room now to see like what kind of totems I have, I potentially have, and what, whether we can backfill a uh, some sort of phrase into it. So is, was Elmo a phrase? Was it like an acronym? Yeah, Elmo. So the acronym. So think about enough. Let's move on. Oh, gotcha. Elmo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll do. Hey, maybe maybe Bill can work on this. He came up oh. with the Bahamas. So yeah, Bill, Bill's clever. He'll 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 get yeah. back to us. All right. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, so that was my that was my week. And now I'm going nice. to Top Golf with Emily. What's that? I'm going to Top Golf with Emily. Oh really? I, I went to. Well, I told you that when I was in Raleigh, we went to a. a oh yeah, that's who told place. me. We did. I also did that for. I left that out when I went home. But me, Dad, and Joey and Nate went to Top Golf. How was it? How'd you hit? I hit average for the most part, and then at the end, I decided I was. You know, I was hitting. It was not hitting the driver well, and I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? I'm gonna make. I'm gonna line this ball up like almost in front of my front foot. Like this feels dumb. Yeah. It was like right on my front foot, like on my my front like pinky toe, and I just started bombing drives, nice. so I'm at, like straight and long. Like before, I was really hit, I was really slicing it all the time, and then yeah. for the last like ten minutes, and I started doing that, I was just bombing drives off the back fence. That's nice. Yeah, it was. Great. I uh, I sliced the shit out of everything. <laughs> I went. I needed a coach. I need. I you know. I needed like Uncle Harry or Dad around to tell yeah. me what I was doing wrong because yeah. I had no idea what I was doing wrong. It's a other fun concept, not though, well. isn't it? What's Did that? You, like, it's a cool concept. For oh, a driving it's a range. ton of fun. Yeah. I love stats. I love yeah. getting told how far I'm hitting. Yeah. Um, and all those things like that, and ball speed and things that don't matter. But it's Wait, like, yeah, yours was telling you ball speed and how far you're hitting. Yeah. I don't think we got that data. Top golf is supposed to tell you how far you're hitting. Each ball has a chip in it. I know, but it was more so of like whether or not you got it into the target zones. Oh, I, the one that we were at. Now remember, the one we went to software was trash, so it could have been lying to us about how far we hit. Sure. We were not confident in what it was telling us at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think top like golf 400 is supposed yard to have drives. That. 
Yeah. It was like ball <laughs> speed, 300 miles an hour. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so you're going again, though? The yeah, well, so, yeah, so Emily hasn't gone. She thought it sounded fun, so we're going to do it uh, in like an hour here. Oh, oh, you're going soon. Yeah, tonight. We're going right. to go get dinner there, too. Yeah, Woo! was the food good at the one in Michigan? We went literally right after breakfast, so I don't think we got – we got some pretzel bites like near the end. It was fine. Okay. It was like – it was. The pretzel bites were like got them from like a ice rink concession stand. Oh, okay, but there were I some things the on the night. on the menu that looked good. Was there? Okay, yeah, but did, well, did it's exciting. I feel like yet again we've talked our way from ever being able to fit in. Well, you said this to be a short mini topic because you said you've written about it before. I want to at least touch on it so we can close this door right, or fine. close this loop because last we'll episode, episode was all me talking hypothetically about an ideal farm or a dream farm. Um, which was all over the place, but we never got to talk at least a little bit about well, all over the place, but we landed on exotic milks. We did. We did. <laughs> what did we decide on? It was pig milk. Pig milk. Yeah. Pig milk was mainly what we were after. Um, so it was going to be a Swiss pig milk farm. Oh, apparently so. pig. We, apparently we don't drink pig milk because pigs don't have udders. They that only have about teats. Right. No, we gotcha. Can't milk a teat, huh? I mean, you can milk a tea, but I think it's the whole like effort to re- you know reward ratio. Yeah, you just gotta train those pigs well. I feel I bet you we could <laughs> genetically get some pigs with big old udders. <laughs> that is horrifying. <laughs> it's a terrifying <laughs> thought. Um, but anyways, I meant to say that I um, we should at least touch on um, your ideal consulting right. company and what we don't we don't have to dive deep so this doesn't become a two hour long podcast. No. Um, but give us a little bit about what um, is your ideal consulting company or point people in the direction of where you've written things before sure. about this topic. But I think it's always different to share it out loud as well. So Yeah. So the short, boring answer is that my ideal consulting company is where I work right now. Uh, ready. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> That's uh, fine. No, I kind of figured that was true because when you landed your current job – you partly when I mean, you stopped doing your PhD for the reason that you kind of got the job that you wanted, which was yes. I mean, was that not true? Partly why you yes. stopped doing your PhD? Yes, yes. Okay, we can also talk about that in the future it. too. But yes, we can certainly do that. So uh, actually, so in in 2015, which not to go into like my whole work career here, but I very for a very brief amount of time, I worked for a different consulting firm in New York, um, and. They went out of business a couple of weeks after I started working for them. And I had a period of time, about a month, between getting laid off there and starting at the ready. And I thought it would be a useful exercise while I was trying to figure out what my next thing was, where I was having a ton of interviews and a ton of coffees with people just to find my next thing to articulate what kind of my ideal job would be. So I sat down and I wrote this article called Creating an Organizational Design Consulting Firm for the 21st Century. And oh, nice I, and short and sweet to the point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of like put a stake in the ground and be like, this is what I, I'm trying to find or want to build. And um, it became probably the number one thing that people – it's probably my best performing article that I've written in, in several years – and like the short story on it is that almost everything that I wrote about in this article has come true at the ready. And my whole, I mean, which makes sense. I was the first employee hired at the ready. I have helped well, craft the ready okay. into what I wanted it to be. But it's not like it's been just me doing that. Like there were, you know, we're up to a bunch more people than just me. And Aaron obviously had a huge role in it as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm trying to guess. It's been a while since I've actually read the article, and if I was, you know, more of a professional, I would have pre-read this before. Maybe we should That's silent fine. meeting this for the next ten minutes while I read the article. <laughs> That's the, good. We're gonna leave the whole ten minutes in, right? Oh, we yeah. read. <laughs> the basic idea, though, I mean, I can just describe the ready in in most ways is that. I was looking to create an organization where I thought there was a potential for there to be consulting firms that were specifically focused on helping organizations work better, like the actual process of work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, strategy consulting firms have existed for a long time or consulting firms to help you with some specific aspect of your work or to do your marketing or that sort of thing have all existed for a long time. But there hadn't really been a focus on an out on, on creating a consulting firm that was specifically about new ways of working. You know, the mm-hmm. way we meet, the way we do compensation, the way we do all these other things. Well, the comp- there's a, actually there are a ton of consulting firms who do like specifically compensation. But I was thinking more about like at a systems level. Like, is there a, a type of consulting where you are you have people who are very knowledgeable in human psychology and very um, open to actually getting down into the weeds and helping companies work in new and different ways. So I, yeah, so that's, that's essentially what I wrote. I'm trying to see if I can find like any interesting things specifically to, to pull out. Um, can I, can I ask a question then? Yeah. yeah. Um, would you, and I don't mean to like have you talk about things you don't want to talk about, um, but would you ever hypothetically start your own consulting company or is it the kind of thing where you think, it's not necessarily about you having your own. It's more of just participating in a company that's doing this current thing, which it sounds like the ready kind of is. Yeah. Um, is that a thing that ever crosses your mind or not really? So it, I, I wouldn't start a new consulting company because I don't see how I would do anything different from what I'm actually already doing. If I mm-hmm. were to leave the ready, it would be either because I've decided that I need to go internal somewhere to really learn what it's like to operate in these really large corporate environments because I Mm -hmm. don't have that experience. We've talked about that in a previous episode back when we thought my client was hiring me. (laughs) And he Uh, he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that means, so that, but that is still a potential avenue. It would be, have to be like the, very much like the right opportunity for me to even consider leaving the ready because I love working here so much, but I'm not naive enough to say like that could never happen. I think it's certainly Mm -hmm. possible it could happen. I think, I may get to a point when I'm at the ready where I feel like my learning is being is stalled out because I don't have this internal experience. Um, if I weren't going to do, if I weren't going to leave to go internal somewhere, um, but I still wanted to leave it to start my own thing, I would instead be, I wouldn't be, cons- I wouldn't be doing like this type of consulting. I would be like writing um, or like trying to make like a career out of writing or something like that um, or like gotcha. coaching or something, which is um, certainly part of the work that I do at the ready, but not the main thing. But if I want to be doing like impactful organizational design work, it doesn't make sense for me to be anywhere but the ready because that's what I do all day long. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So a few of the things that I, so I, 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 wrote down like what are the services that I think this consulting this ideal consulting firm of the future will be doing I wrote I wrote down coaching around new ways of working embedding teams and individuals within organizations uh, mm-hmm. the setting and behavior change facilitation of strategy I don't know, that's a terrible sentence uh, <laughs> organizational development 
and organizational redesign. Um, and the at least the first two things are like entirely like that is my job basically. Yes, I'm embedded. Do. I am working with teams and coach, and I'm I'm coaching them and teaching them you know new ways of of doing things. We are. Um, what was I writing about the strategy one? Strategy consulting is not new. Helping leadership teams taking stuff. For, oh, so this one is about like not actually doing the strategy work, but around the process, like helping organizations think through how they do strategy, which is totally something that we do. Like strategy is a large part of org design and, and the way that we think about organizational operating systems. Yeah. Um, and then organizational development is basically at the time I didn't have the language for it yet because Aaron and I and the others have not, had not yet articulated it, but this is me kind of describing the idea of an organizational operating system that there are things like compensation and hiring and onboarding and physical space that affect the way we work. And I wanted to work somewhere that was thinking about all of these and how they are connected to each other. Gotcha. Um, and the last one, organizational redesign, is basically just again not really having the words for the structure part of an operating system. So how, looking at the way teams are designed and the way we structure an organization, and helping them think through new ways of doing that, whether they're using self-managing things or Holacracy or Spotify's guilds or any other things like that. Gotcha. So it was cool. I I, I like to revisit this article every year and see. And just kind of like marvel and how much we have been doing that. Like, I, I it looks like I have a, I re I made some edits or I made a, a note from the author in 2016, which still was three years ago, but was a year after I had written the article. So, I guess this year would have been yeah four years. So last August would have been four years since writing this article, and it still feels uh, true today. And I'll um I'll put the link in the show notes. So if you are curious to read the article, you can um you can find it and read it. Sweet. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Kind of kind of made it come true. Kind of made it come true, yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, there's one other bullet that we should talk about that we'll, we can wrap this thing up with. All right. So you and Emily have been playing some of the weeding games that I've <laughs> We've been playing before. one weeding game. We can't remember the Which other ones. So we've been Which playing one the one that? where one person thinks of two words that rhyme, uh, okay, yep. and then you give them a hint, and the other person mm -hmm. has to figure out what it is. And we've yeah. been doing it mostly while we hang out in the pool uh, at our apartment <laughs> complex. And yeah. it's been fun. It has made me realize that Emily is not good at rhyming, which is a bonkers thing to say. Yeah. Uh, but so often she will come up with two words and then say them to me. And I'm like, how did you expect me to get them? Because those don't rhyme. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a notably bad one? Because I think oh I did gosh. one that was pretty bad. Probably. But I honestly can't remember. Uh, I tried she'll to yell at me and, and I'll bring it as follow up next time. I tried to rhyme uh, like what? What's the French goodbye? Au revoir. Is the phrase oh, yeah. for au revoir. Au revoir reservoir, <laughs> and people didn't like it. <laughs> Nobody went for it. Well, I thought it felt it felt really good coming off the tongue when I said it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I'm I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. So, so is there, I, my, my there... favorite one ever? I will uh -huh. say has been when I gave a clue that rhymed, um, which was gloat tote. And can you guess what gloat tote would be? Gloat tote. Um... A, a smug bag. No. Close. Uh, yeah, the second word, right? Uh, gloat would be like doing what? You got bag right. Um, it's missing tag, one letter. Lag. Sag. Brag. It's brag. Brag. Oh, brag bag. That's so good. That's it good. Was fun to give. It was fun to give a rhyming clue wow. and have yeah, that rhyme. But that's, that's pretty rare. Varsity level right there. Thank you. That's, that's playing it for hours and hours. Yeah. So, anyways, you wanted a new one. Yeah, we need. To, we've kind of exhausted that weeding game. We need another one. 
I know, and I'm trying to think. How, you can't play this one with two people, though. That's the problem. Oh. A, well, maybe we'll good, make some friends. Maybe. There's a three-person game that we, you can play with three and then upwards of three. Okay. There's going to be – it's called Contact. Okay. And what you do is you have one person who is uh, picks a word, thinks of it in their head, and let's say the word is chair. They're thinking of chair. Okay. And so what they're going to say is, all right, the first letter is C. So everyone playing against them, basically, what they're trying to do is ask questions to stump the person who has the master word. So you would say, I would say I said it's C. I'm the person, and I know that in my head it's chair. Okay. And you say, is it something that you eat? And I'd be like, no, it's not cantaloupe. And what you're trying to do is ask a question where, let's say you say, you know, is it um, like a, a terrible illness and I can't think of, you know, cancer or something. And you and another person that are playing against me say contact and you go one, two, three. And if you guys both say the same word, let's say you both realized it was cancer is what you were trying yeah. to get me to say. And I didn't think of that in time. Yeah. Um, and you both and you guys harmonize over the same word. Which sometimes you don't. You guys think you have the same word, and it turns out there's like a thousand right. words that applied to the clue you gave. Yeah. And you're right. I have to give you the next letter. So now I'll say it's Ooh. CH. And so you'd be like, is it, you know, an author? Ooh. So you'd be like, that Chaucer. <laughs> like you keep right. doing that to try and ask questions to get more and more specific until eventually you hand me down, like, is it something you sit on? And I'm like, I gave you CHA, and I can't think of anything that would be like, no, it's not. It's chair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. So the whole point of contact is that you, a group of people is playing against mm. one person and it's a lot of pressure as the person with the clue. Cause you need to be thinking of a lot of words yeah. of what my brain possibly... already hurts. Yeah. Um, it's fun though. We played it like you can, you know, for on the farm, it was fun because you could just not really play very much and like, not really like yeah. check in until later and you find out there's more letters and what they're playing. Um, <laughs> Or there's sometimes we you know we had a Latin teacher at our at our farm. Oh yeah, did his, he dominate you guys in every weeding game? He loved weeding games, but his <laughs> he would be like, "Is it?" And like he would say some some clue, and he'd be like, "Come on, Max, you know what this is." I'm like, "I have no idea what you're trying to get me to think of, Hayden. I'm so sorry." He'd be like staring at me, like he'd be like, "Contact?" Like, no, not contact. I haven't thought of it yet. Like <laughs> he would just pressure you until eventually you'd never thought of it, and you would just move on from his clue because no one could think of the same word as him. Um, that happened multiple times, and it was just so much pressure when he would stare at you, like, "Come on, you know what it is?" I'm like, "No, I don't know. I'm sure I do, but." Um, oh, that one's fun if you get three people to play, and there is another two person one that I cannot think of off the top of my head, but I'll bring more weeding. Right, bring games it, bring you. it next time. Okay. We'll do. We'll, we'll check in with some uh, some weeding games. All right. Cool. Glad you, I'm glad you're playing them though. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. For a moment <laughs> well, there, I thought it would, might actually end our relationship because we were having some heated battles about what rhymed and didn't rhyme. What words truly rhyme? <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we done? I think we're done. I've got a. There's Haley's across the the road with Boca over at the private high school watching. Um, the field hockey team play. So I'm going to go very, watch some field hockey. Uh, very, very neat. Okay. So uh, this has been Fields of Work. Uh, I've been Sam. I've been Max. And we'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye.